Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your featured host, Shah McCain, a forensics counselor, psychic, writer, artist, modern day Christian mystic, and UFO experiencer. Shah introduced guests who are experts on all aspects of the paranormal and the sacred. The Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show has been featured on Blog Talk Radio as Staff Pick. And now for your host, Shaw McCain. Well, hello everybody. It's Shaw McCain here calling you live from uh, Los Angeles, California. And I'm very happy to be above ground and with you and well and safe. And uh, I do wish everybody the same. And my prayers go out to everybody during this time of crisis that we all make it through this. And, um, you know, it's a very serious situation, and we all, our hearts and thoughts and prayers are with everybody that's um, afflicted with this. And as uh, we go into uh, this this uh, next couple months, I want everybody to hold on because I have a really good feeling uh, if we just hold in there, everything's going to be okay. And uh, that's it for my little personal message. But anyway, we have a wonderful lady here tonight. We, she's been on the Paranormal and Sacred a couple times before, and it's because we admire her so much. And to tell you a little bit about her, Lauren Lawrence is a writer for USA Today and has made a recent appearance on Good Day New York. And Miss Lawrence was the dreams, and dreams columnist of the New York Daily News for 10 years. Miss Lawrence has starred in the TV show Celebrity Nightmares Decoded. That's where I first saw her, and I was entranced, and I even watched all the reruns when I could find them, and on the Biography Channel. And she's the former political dreams columnist for John F. Kennedy Jr.'s George Magazine and Trader Monthly. She has authored several books, including Private Dreams of Public People, the Dream Keys series of books published by Dell, which are Dream Keys for Love, Dream Keys, Unlocking the Power of Your Mind, Dream Keys for the Future, and a book of beautiful poetry side effects. She's appeared on numerous TV shows. Lauren has profiled on, was profiled on Extra, was interviewed by Bill O'Reilly on The Factor, and she has appeared on Fox and Friends and Red Eye on CBS's The Early Show, The Tyra Brank Show, and E-Star Treatment, and on CNN's Moneyline. She also appeared on Dr. Oz, and in the past, she's a frequent guest on Joey Reynolds' WORAN syndicated radio show. Formerly the dreams expert of DreamLife.com, she is known for interpreting the dreams of celebrities, from Paris Hilton to Luciana Pavarotti, Michael Douglas to Kate Moss, Kurt Vaughnott to Brooke Astor. Between the scenes on the movie channel film Lauren in her home, while Nikki Hilton dropped by to have her dream interpreted. I'll never forget that because she was holding her book. And then Lauren Lawrence was in New York City with her husband, who was author, who's also an author. So at this point in the program, I want to welcome Lauren Lawrence live on the Paranormal and Sacred. Welcome, Lauren. Oh, Shar, it's lovely to be back. <laughs> Thank you for the lovely lead-in, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we be we think, we know that you're beautiful. And you're so eloquent and elegant, and you're everything I want to be, Lauren. Oh, you're awesome. You're too kind. You really, 
No, you're putting you a are. smile on my face, and here in New York, <laughs> <laughs> lockdown. <laughs> I know, I know. You're in lockdown in New York. And yeah. how is you and your family doing there? Oh well, we're doing well, thank you, uh, thank God. And um, you know, it's just such a tragedy, and it struck so many different people that it's very hard to deal with. And um, it's an extremely da- uh, anxiety-provoking time. I was going to say dangerous. It was a Freudian slip. <laughs> but yeah, it's dangerous, too. But, um, yeah, very much anxiety going on because people are, you know, in danger of losing their livelihoods. I mean, so many stores have shuttered. Uh, a lot of people I know are out of work. And, um, you know, some that are working at home don't know if they'll be brought back. And, you know, it's just a terrible, terrible uh, time of chaos and change and of loss and um, and lack of control. And when you have lack of control, loss of control issues crop up in dreams. And so people have been having during this time, and I've been getting calls and calls uh, from some of my regulars and my fans from the, the Daily News and from the show, um, <clears throat> You know, it, it, it all comes out in the psyche. So even if you're trying not to think about it, when you're conscious, when you're sleeping, it, it comes out. And there are these horrible, horrible dreams that people are dreaming. Much, much crazier and much darker. And um, it's definitely a, a result of uh, COVID-19, of this yeah. pandemic. Tell us any of those dreams uh, that you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, well, there are certain themes that crop up. One of them is interesting, is aliens have arrived outside, and so people are afraid to go out, which, of course, you know that's the lockdown, okay? And then there's aliens coming into the house, and that is the sense of being violated, because there is a sense that the virus you know, has come into everyone's home. You know, they, it's insinuated itself in there. So, so dreams like that, that's what it, it directly reflects dreams uh, of loss and of fear. And um, there are other dreams of, thematically, dreams of people uh, afraid that they're going to lose their jobs. So they dream that they're called in for a meeting and the boss tells them you're worthless you know, things like that, where they're beginning to doubt who they are as a person. So they're losing their sense of self, um, which is, of course, very injurious to the psyche. So that's lo- job loss is one of the themes uh, and invaded by aliens or intruders in the house. Uh, that Those are the major ones. Wow. Um, yeah. It's startling yeah. because uh, you reminded me of a dream I had. And it really? was about... Yes, it was about a big, <laughs> so, so weird. It's like, it was a, first there was these little kids that came up to me, and we were mm-hmm. all talking, they're on their bicycles, and they're doing little whirly gigs and everything, and then all of a sudden the stars started, the sky started turning dark, mm-hmm. and the kids all ran home, and I remember looking up in the sky, and there was these weird alien symbols all over the sky. Oh, wow. There were very sort of like you would see, you know, octagon and triangles, mm-hmm. not just shapes that, that we would mm-hmm. consider like a symbol from shapes some of other. Shapes to come. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay, so interpret that. 
Well, it, it it is, you know, like you were looking for, and I said shapes, shapes of things to come, but basically mm-hmm. that dream uh, is a direct result of what's going on with the pandemic. And um, looking up yeah. at the sky, so you're looking for answers. You know, you're looking to gain back control. So like the, it was a message, some, you know, in the sky, the triangle, whatever. You were trying to decode what's going on, you know, to get yeah. back some sense of control. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. You're welcome. That's a good dream. Yeah. If I I'm ever do a book on this, I'll, I'll I'll add that with it. <laughs> I know. I have too much content. Believe me. Yeah. So, no. That's that's right on the mark. Yeah. Uh, and it's an intelligent dream. It it shows that you're trying to look beyond uh, what we're being given. You know, in the media, yeah. you're looking elsewhere into the universe, which is very powerful. Wow. To other intelligences. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Because it was so intense, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I when you were talking about everybody's strange dreams, all of a sudden it popped into my head. Oh yeah, sure, you had a dream. I was like, oh boy. <laughs> I was scared to say it, but I I have to have courage. <laughs> oh no, that's a very good dream. Yeah, definitely mm-hmm. reflecting uh, of the times. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for telling me. Yeah, you know, you're, you're now. Welcome. You know. Um, when, well, I wanted to ask you, because I have no idea, like, where mm-hmm. you grew up or where you were raised and what started all this this uh, of yours into the dream analysis and mm-hmm. the powerful world, world you're in right now. Well, I grew up in, in New York, and um, <clears throat> my parents had, um, they, they loved books, of course, and uh, when I was quite young... Um, I liked mystery stories, so I was reading all like Nancy Drew. I'm I'm I'm, I'm uh, giving away my age, but <laughs> I liked yeah. the Nancy Drew books and all of those books. And <clears throat> I I loved a good mystery. And I noticed that they had um, not they didn't have those books; those were my books. But they did have Sigmund Freud, uh, you know, interpreting dreams. And I pulled it off the shelf, and I was reading. That was my evening reading under my bed under the covers with the flashlight on you know when my parents thought I was sleeping and I was reading it at a very young age where I'm sure I I couldn't understand anything but I was intrigued by reading the dreams and then I would try to figure out what it meant before I read what he had said and of course I might not even have understood it but I I thought it was kind of like um, you know being like a sleuth um, yeah. like a detective, and I loved, <clears throat> I loved that, and <clears throat> that sort of got me involved in dreams. And then out of nowhere, I don't know why, <clears throat> but all my little girlfriends at the time would dream, and they would tell, they would ask me what it meant, and I don't know why, but um, I somehow had the answer, and it always made sense to them. So I was always very um, pleased by that, and and intrigued by. Um, by the great variety of dreams, even though there are many themes that repeat and motifs, but each dream is different. That's why I like to say it's um, it's like haute couture, you know, because it's it's made for the person specifically, and um, you know, even if it has the same theme, it is there's always a different symbol in it, and, you know, and, and it has different meanings for each person, so. Um, I just got very involved, and um, actually it was my second master's. My first master's was communications, 
radio and TV and oral interpretation of literature. It was all that, all wrapped up into one uh, one uh, program. And then I did. I went back to school to take uh, the second master's in psychology. And um, I was just very, very intrigued. And uh, I started um, trying to remember exactly when it was, but I thought to myself, yeah, well, I was reading all of Freud. And I remember being disappointed that he didn't, interpret any of the dreams of famous people other than like Bismarck I think he did and one or two other people but very few like I would have loved it if he did the Duke and Duchess of Windsor and you know different people during his time and I thought you know what I'm going to do that and that's when I started um, focusing on each walk of fame which is the book that I the coffee table book, Private Dreams of Public People, which was published by Asseline, um, which are, they they do incredible coffee table books. And um, I, you know, I broke it up into dramatic dreamers and artistic dreamers, directorial dreamers, musical dreamers, political dreamers, society dreamers, uh, you know, all of that, literary dreamers. And um, I wanted to see if what one does in life is reflected in the psyche. So that's how I did Madonna and Luciana Pavarotti and Cindy Lauper and all of that in the musical dreamers. I did Paul McCartney. And then I did directorial dreamers, Oliver Stone. Uh, I did Kurt Vonnegut in literary dreamers, um, directorial dreamers. I, I said that, Oliver Stone. I also did Fellini. Um, and most of them I did directly from the person. Some I got from publicists. But I would say the majority was directly from uh, the notable person or celebrity. And it was fascinating, you know, because I, I love did that see. Book. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for actually putting that book together. It's a beautiful book. And, uh, you know, I, could, I read it over and over. I find it oh. endlessly fascinating, really. And it's oh, well written. So and. You know, some of these dreams that you are deciphering, you know, have pro- prophetic yes. uh, quality to them. Could you tell yes. us some of the prophetic yes, dreams? Yes, absolutely. Well, I, I think that Paris Hilton dream was in there, but one of her dreams was prophetic, and it's in one of my books. I don't remember if it's in that one, but um, and it's really quite extraordinary because she dreamt it when she was very young. And she dreamt that she was um, she had taken her parents' car out while they were sleeping, and uh, her sister was in the back seat, which is little Nikki, and um, and then her dog I think was there at the time. And I remember she was very nervous that she would get stopped by the police, and you know for for driving without a license. <laughs> so the dream yeah. was really warning her you know, that don't do this. And then, of course, years later, she does exactly that. She drives without a license, yes, gets did. caught, and goes to jail <laughs> for about a week. So, yeah, so wow. that was that was kind of prophetic. And then, of course, um, Pierre Salinger had an unbelievable, scary prophetic dream that predicted the death of Princess Diana. And he called Please me. Go ahead. Yeah, he, he called me. Uh, August 30th at 4, no, at, um, I'm sorry, he called me at 2 in the afternoon, um, August 30th, okay, and 
he said, Lauren, I'm ready to tell you my dream because I had been after him for a while, but um, he had time to, you know, speak to me at that point. He said, oh, I had this dream and I want to give it to you. So this is the dream that he had. Uh, he said there was no visual, which is very odd for dreams. You know, there was only an audio. And when that happens, because it is a rarefied event, it's very important to remember everything that was said. And I always tell people, if you have a dream like that, wake yourself up and write it down because you're going to forget it. And those words are very important, whatever you hear. So he heard um, some voice say to him, Pierre, you must be aware that the worst terrorist attack will occur in Paris in August in the last week. And when I heard that, we were in the last week of, I mean, you couldn't get more last. It was August 30th. Um, and it was two in the afternoon. So I said, you're really scaring me. I hope nothing happens, you know, in Paris. And that was at two. Okay, so I got off the phone with him. And um, and it was it was two um, New York time. So which means it was uh, eight o'clock Paris time. And at the eight o'clock in the evening, Paris time, when he when he called me, and I I gave the dream, uh, I interpreted the dream, and then I faxed it over to a friend of mine who wanted to see a sample of dreams. She's a writer, and you know she's a very social person, and um, has written books, or whatever, and she wanted to be included in one of my books, and so she said, "Can you send me over a dream?" So I could have sent her over uh, any one of number of dreams, but I, I chose to send her Pierre's dream, and that was at 4 o'clock. And keep in mind that 4 o'clock is, is uh, 10 o'clock, Paris time. So she calls me at 4.30, okay, which is 10.30, Paris time, and she said, Lauren, that is a very scary dream. I hope nothing terrible happens. Okay, now, two hours later, which is 12.30, Paris time, Princess Diana is dead with Dodi Fayed. And Dodi Fayed was her nephew. So she lost her nephew. And so I was like the middleman giving her Pierre's dream. Uh, you know, I, I had to reach her. I mean, like, she, so it was, I was, I, 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 right now I'm getting chills because it was that yeah. crazy. It was that crazy. Uh, you know, just two hours after. She loses her nephew in Paris in August in the last week. And, um, you know, she she went obviously crazy when, you know, with that, you know, heads up, you know, that header uh, that I did. And then, you know, then this happens in reality. And then Pierre called me and it was just absolutely crazy. Uh, and, you know, That's it's so horrible. hard to believe. None of, us yeah. forget it. None of us will forget it. No. But I mean, oh, can you imagine a, that I'm being told this before this no. happens? Well, this is, you know, you know a divine gift. That, and there's a, I know there's a purpose behind it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you actually helped uh, absorb a little of that blow. Maybe it would have been worse. Well, yeah, maybe. I'd like to think that. You know, I'd like to think that she was prepared in some way. Um I don't know, but it is absolutely a crazy dream. And she did share it with Mohammed Fayed, who also thought it was, you know, unbelievable. But um, Pierre, I just must say that Pierre was friendly with Mohammed Fayed. So he was no stranger to him. 
So I always say there's a little bit of empathic in the telepathic. Very much so. Wow. So, um, yeah, so he was one of his friends. In fact, he did the forward for one, um, his book on the uh, Hotel Ritz. And um, I know to this day he thinks that it was a terrorist attack. I mean, that she was offed, so to speak, you know, not by um, not by you know that when we think of terrorism, we think of um a lot of um you know coming from different countries and whatnot but um it was a sort of terrorism because um according to what many people felt and saw at the time, uh there was a great white light that was shining uh and Henri paul it was it was you know it was he was seeing this light and so he couldn't that's why he couldn't see where he was going and he hit the pillar because he was an excellent driver and here's the other thing that I didn't say which is really the kicker when I used to go to Paris I would stay at the Hotel Ritz and one particular time I had Henri Paul as my driver in the gray Mercedes they, that's oh what they God. use yeah and he was an excellent driver so um, you know and the story goes that about two months well, three months prior, they took that car out of commission and they relined it and they did all kinds of work on that car, which was, in retrospect, kind of odd. And um, and you know, and, and when you look at the tape, anyone can see that he's drinking coffee and he's taking those steps that lead up to the suites uh, in the Hotel Ritz two at a time. So he was not drunk um, yeah. because were he drunk, he would not have been able to, you know, do that. And he also was on some medication uh, which prevented him from getting drunk, so he would get sick if he drank too much. So he he did drink, but it wasn't anything to him, you know, because obviously it wasn't enough to affect him. So I I strongly think there was some kind of, you know, some kind of uh, bad behavior that went on. And we don't know why, but... um, no. You know, that, that's what I believe till this day, because I think Pierre's dream was so important and so telling. Very and, important. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but um, it, doesn't really, it doesn't have anything to do with a dream, but it does have to do with a vision uh, yeah. of Jean Dixon. And, you know, Pierre Salinger was uh, President uh, John F. Kennedy's press secretary. And right before his his death, uh, he received a note from a very famous psychic named Jean Dixon. And uh, Jean Dixon wrote this letter to the president, and Pierre read it, and and in it she said, do not go to Dallas. Uh, You know, it will be very dangerous for you. You could be killed there. Um, I remember that. Yeah, and Pierre gave the letter to President Kennedy, and President Kennedy looked at it and he said, well, I, I do think it's a dangerous place, uh, but I think my men will protect me. And, of course, that was his fatal error. And, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and, and Jean Dixon, um, this had come to her in visions. She used to get visions, and I call visions externalized dreams. Because okay, it's coming, good. You know, because she's seeing it outside, but I that's what I call it, yeah. So... Um, and she was incredibly uh, prophetic, and she actually said so many brilliant things during her life, which actually came 
came to happen and th- things about China, political things. And uh, she was just a very special, uh, gifted psychic. I don't know if you read anything about yeah, her. Yeah, I, I do. I haven't, you know, I haven't. I really am going to do that. I'm going to uh, read up on, on mm-hmm. her because I remember her on TV. And the, my impression of her was she was so kind and mm-hmm. soft-spoken. Yes. And, and she, yes. uh, she was profoundly interesting. You know, mm-hmm. I was really interested. But I really need to go back and look at some of her writings. So I'm really aware of her warning the mm-hmm. president. And, you know, I am going to say something right now. I saw mm-hmm. something. We are talking about, you know, evil and weirdness happening in mm-hmm. secret, you know, and mm-hmm. ending people's lives. Right. So I'm looking at pictures of who knows why, but I love the Kennedys. Mm-hmm. I have a picture of them on my wall. That's how much I mm-hmm. love them. Mm-hmm. But yeah. every picture of that day, mm-hmm. I started looking at every picture of that day, and then I was mm-hmm. seeing – Okay, there's Johnson. He's in the back. I never. He's about four people down. Mm-hmm. He's shaking hands too. Then mm-hmm. every picture I saw Johnson back there, and I never noticed him in so many pictures of the, of them together mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And then the next, the last one, I, I so I just started looking at pictures, you know, because I go on my little tangents, you know, of mm-hmm. connecting the dots. Mm-hmm. Then um, there he is suddenly standing, and there's. Mrs. Kennedy with, would never changed her clothes, still standing yes. in blood, swearing in, yes. helping to swear in Johnston. Yes, on the plane. And I'm looking at mm-hmm. her, I went, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying well, that, you, what the hell? Well, um, I happen to have been uh, a very close friend of Jackie's first cousin, uh, John okay. Davis, John H. Davis. Yeah. And he was a, a writer. I uh, wrote about 11 or 12 books. Brilliant, brilliant writer. And John, uh, Blackjack Bouvier was his uncle. And uh, John wrote uh, the most profound book, um, which really tells exactly who killed President Kennedy. I'm not going to say that on the air, but I will direct everyone to his book. And I can certainly say the title, and the title pretty much says it all. And the title is Carlo Marcello and the Assassination of President John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Oh, the, I'm sorry. The first part is Mafia Kingfish, colon. Okay, Mafia Kingfish, colon, Carlo Marcello and the Assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Now, the book okay, is um, it's out of print, but you can still get it. And that is, when you read that book, you will absolutely know who killed Kennedy. Wow. I'm going to get it yeah. today. Yeah, but it's I the most brilliant remember. book he ever read, and it's written beautifully, written beautifully. Oh. And he's the only one that really knew, the only one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I just can't get over that either. You know, I'm just not, I'm not okay with all this. You know, I, well, I can to tell you it was not Johnson. I can tell you well, that it was not him. Thank you for clearing that up. Him. No, it's he not, knew of it, but it wasn't him. I mean, he was complicit the fact no, he didn't do anything, no, he, but it was not him. That's my point right there. You just yeah. said it for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just, I yeah, just well, a lot of the CIA and the FBI, a lot of people knew and did nothing. So oh. that is, you know, that's one of the reasons why the windows were opened. You know, there was no yeah. no sharpshooters on the rooftops, no one looking or anything. It was ridiculous. 
you know, when you look at when you look at what kind of security he had then, it was just monstrous. And you tried to explain to your kids that we had a different world before this happened. I I did. I, mm-hmm. I brought my kids mm-hmm. up on that. We used to have a different world mm-hmm. before before that happened. Mm-hmm. We all felt it's we, a president was elected, good or bad yes. he was our. You know what yes. I mean? We were all together yes. on things. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. After that happened, nobody trusted mm-hmm. anybody ever again, especially mm-hmm. when Bobby Kennedy went down. That was it. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. It, yeah. it broke our hearts. Shocking. Yeah. Broke my yes. heart, too. Yeah. Because I was, yeah, I was yeah. up and I had a little, my little baby. I was a teenager, mm-hmm. but I was married and all that. But mm-hmm. I remember seeing it on the news and just mm. stunned mm. within my, because yeah. we had hope in Bobby. You know what I mean? Exactly. And yeah. Uh, he was, yeah, he was, he was great. He was he very was courageous. Person. And yeah, he was uh, very strong. Robert Kennedy is really wonderful. His son today. Um, yes. And he's, you know, he's been talking about um, how dangerous vaccines are. And he's not an anti-vaxxer. He's just against the ones that they're doing today. Um, yes. You know, he he lets us know that in 1986 is when everything changed, and that's when the vaccinations became incredibly dangerous uh, because um, there was, you know, of course there's aluminum in it, but they put mercury, and when you put together with aluminum, it goes like exponentially larger and incredibly dangerous. And um, two two things happened at that time. Uh, pharmaceutical companies were always, um, they would get sued, of course, for anyone who, who, you know, fell ill from from their vaccine. So they had to be very cautious when they put it on the market because otherwise they'd be sued for millions and millions of dollars. Uh, They took that away. So in 1986, they passed a, a, a ruling that they could no longer be sued. So they took away that liability. And then they did something else. Um, They used to have to do studies, double-blind studies with placebo and and on humans. And then they took that away as well. So in 1986, they no longer could be sued. And they, um, you know, they didn't have to do proper testing to see if it's safe on humans. (laughs) So, yeah, and he's, of course, and he's ridiculed by um, so many people today. Uh, Robert Kennedy, yeah. he's such a good guy, really good guy. He's a wonderful guy. I like the uh, Joe yeah. Kennedy too. Too. Yeah, um, I call him Young Joe. Joe which Joe Kennedy? I, I don't know. I, I I don't know the redhead. The red, yeah, the, the redhead. Head? Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I like him, but you know that's the way I lean. Mm-hmm. So anyway, dear. Um, can you give us one more just of your favorite person that you you had your dream analysis on? Hmm. Like your favorite celebrity? That's a good question. Um, well, off the top of my head, and I'm I'm blanking on her name, but oh, Joan Collins. There you go. <laughs> Joan oh. Collins, definitely. She was so wonderful um, when we spoke because at first she told me a dream that was quite ordinary. And 
a lot of people had a similar type dream. And I said, oh, not that one again. She goes, oh, no, I have others. I'm a big dreamer, you know. And then she <laughs> came up with this other dream, which she had had, which was so wonderful. And it is in my book, Private Dreams of Public People. But it was um, it was just a little um, her and I think it was a little child kept following her around. And, um, and she didn't really know who that was. And it kept following her around. And that's kind of the gist of it, but there's more details, which of course I'm leaving out. But um, the 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 way I interpreted it, she loved it because that was her inner child, and that's how she's managed to stay so young and vibrant. It's because she always has that sense of the the inner child. That's beautiful, really. Mm. And she has yeah, so, kept that. I'm sorry. Yeah, and she has that kept that quality. Absolutely. Yeah, in her life. So, wow. I know I'd like to keep you here all night, but I know that you're a very busy lady. And I thank you. Thank you so much for being on here again. And you've really, you know, given us some eye openers tonight. And um, it's a delight to be on. And uh, and uh, you you gave a very good interview. Thank you. And I just wanted to say. Uh, that people should look for my column when it comes back in USA Today because everything stopped the minute COVID started. So, <laughs> okay. So we'll be, hopefully we'll be, we'll be back. We'll yeah. Be so anyone listening, if they could ask them, in fact, write into them where is where is the dreams column? You know. Oh yeah, because we love it, and also her books are available many places. So if you even just Google. Lauren Lawrence's name, you're going to find out all kinds of books and <laughs> information all over the place. So yes. I really recommend you highly, my dear. I love Thank you very you much. Thank you so much, Char. Yeah, really God delightful. You. Thank you. God bless you and yours Thank always. You. And um, have a very, very good and healthy and prosperous time ahead, really. Thank you this so much. Hopes up. Stay I well, wish you okay? the same. Be well. Take care. Thank you. Bye. You too. Bye-bye, Lauren. Bye-bye. Well, I want to thank Lauren Lawrence for being our guest tonight. Um, I, I have, you know, not, not very often I have the chills all the way through an interview. And it's quite uh, amazing. We heard some incredible stories. So next week, I want to thank once again Lauren Lawrence. And she does the USA Today column. And uh, I just read one of the articles, and it was and it was about a dream of flying, and another beautiful one she had about uh, an eagle, and it was talking about uh, have the the dreamer having a bird's eye view. So go over there to the USA Today, and also ask for her dreams column to come back, and because uh, we miss it. And I would love to even see the show Celebrity Nightmare to Quarterback. Because uh, you know, no, how could anything be so so uh, less interesting? Uh, there's a lot of stuff to think about, but about our subconscious, about our dream world, and all about that. That is the the to me the most interesting thing we could think of, really, to think about. Anyway, and study. So as we wrap up this evening, I want to wish everybody well. Please, people. Stay healthy. Keep your social distance. Don't breathe on me. Wear, wear your mask when you have to. I know we're opening up here in California. 
on this beautiful weather. Everybody wants to get outside. I don't blame you. But if you're close to people, just put a simple little mask on. You know, it's the hairdressers have all opened up so you can go back to your hairdressers so you look good again. And uh, that is all for tonight. So we have a, two special guests coming next week, the wild duo of a new talk show that we will be talking about next week, and you're going to love it. So I'll see you next week, same time, same station. Love you all a bunch. God bless you. Bye-bye.